This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Thank you. Hey, happy Easter, everybody. It is so good to be here. This is like our first Easter together. Like last year, we were outside. Remember that if you were a part of things with us? Yeah, and then like two years before that, it was all online. I don't even know who was there. I was like, I'm here, but is anyone there? It was... So it's so fun to be gathered together and everyone joining us online. We're, we're glad that you're with us. And yet here we are celebrating this amazing day, this, this day of good news, this, this reality that God has moved on our behalf, that he sent his son into this world to do for us what we could never do for ourselves, to, to bring us back into life with him. I mean, those are those beautiful words that we're told that God loved us so much. He sent his son into this world that like whoever would believe in him would trust our lives to Jesus would have the hope of eternal life in him. And that's what we're celebrating here on Easter. That's what Easter is all about. And, and it's this good news that we get to live in as we follow after Jesus. And you know, here's the thing about good news. Have you ever, have you ever noticed like, like good news only makes sense if you understand why it's good news? Like have you ever like had somebody try to sell you on something, but you're like, why do I need this? Like, I feel like that every time I go to Costco and all the salespeople are, like, trying to sell me on solar panels or something of that sort. And I just, I, like, I'm like, I don't, I don't own my home. I, it's, I, sorry, I don't, like, get to do this. Trade. Like, I saw one guy actually get so mad with the woman walking by. And he's like, but it's a free consultation. And I was like, dude, calm down. Like, like it doesn't sound like good news when you're yelling at her like that. Right? But I think it's interesting when we don't always understand, like, what, what the point of this good news is. What, why it matters for our lives. And see, when I, when I think of Jesus, I don't, I don't think, of him, think of him like some weird salesman. I think of him as somebody who's come to, to do something really beautiful for us. In fact, Jesus said these incredible words, these beautiful words that I think are at the heart of what he came to do for us. When he was talking with his first followers that night before he went to the cross, he said these words to them. He said, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And you think about that. If somebody did that for you, if they gave up their life so you could have life, you would recognize that they, they must really care about me. They must really love me to do that. And, and yet, like, if we don't understand that, it wouldn't necessarily make sense. Like, so imagine this. Let's say we, we went back to my roots, back down to Southern California, and we were hanging out at one of my favorite places, Newport Beach. And, and imagine we walked out to the end of the pier because we just wanted to take in the beautiful day. And, and you and I are standing there together just watching the surfers and watching the birds and watching the people fishing. And suddenly we hear these footsteps running towards us. And we look and there's this guy running right towards us. He's like, don't worry, I'll save you. And then he just jumped off the end of the pier. And we'd be like, what, what, what just happened? Like, I'd be like, what, like thank you? Like, what, what do you do with that? Like, it, it wouldn't necessarily, like, ma- make a whole lot of sense or what is this for, but... But then imagine, like, we left, and I'm like, there's this really good ice cream shop. We're going to go get some good ice cream now that we're in Newport because it's, it's really good. And, like, we're there, and I'm like, it's right across the street. Let's go. And we weren't paying attention, and we were just running, jaywalking across the street. And yet that same guy ran and said, look out, and shoved us out of the way, and he got hit by the car. I would be like, okay, I understand that. Like, he did something that I needed in that moment. And so when Jesus says these words, there's no greater love than one would lay down one's life for one's friends— He says these words right before he goes to the cross and does something incredible for us, giving up his life for us. And see, that's what Easter is all about. It's the celebration of what Jesus does for us so that through him and in him we could have the hope of something new, the hope of new life. But man, it's easy to miss that if we don't understand why we need that. 
And when we miss that, it's, it's easy to think of Easter as just some kind of like religious celebration that we do once a year. Like, like something that we do just to check the box, to, to maybe earn some credit with God if, if we're even kind of aware that maybe there is a God. Or maybe just to earn some credit with our family, right? Like let's just make Mima happy and go with her to Easter, right? And, and yet we can miss out that, that maybe there's something more to it than that. Because what if? What if there's more to Easter than what we so often think? What if Easter is actually about this good news, that, that it's the greatest news we could ever hope for? And if that's the case, then it's worth leaning in to understand what it is. And, and yet if Easter is about good news, it's good news because there's a reason we need it. Like there's something going on in our stories that might require us to have the need of rescue and hope of what Jesus has come to do for us. And that reality is what the first followers of Jesus realized when they began to walk with him and follow him and see what he had come to do. And then when they encountered him on the other side of Easter, like when he was killed and then he came back and they're like, wait, what? <laughs> they realized that this was so much greater than anything they could think and he began to change their lives forever. And so as we look at the things that they write about him, what they discovered about him, so much of what we have in the pages of this book is what they encountered with Jesus. The early leaders who began to follow Jesus began to write to the first Christians and say, this is what it's all about. This is what Jesus has done for us. And and I want to walk through one of the things that was written so long ago by, by one of the early Christian leaders, this guy Paul, about why this is good news. And in one of his letters to the early Christians, he's helping them understand what was going on in our story that we would need rescue, that we would need help, we would need a Savior to come in. And I just want to jump into this, but as we start, I want you to recognize that, that where Paul is starting in this moment of his letter, he's, he's starting with the reason why we need good news. And so it's kind of like if you go to the doctor and you get the prognosis, and you're like, I don't like the news. And we can get upset about that, or we can get defensive about that, or we could say, hey, what could be done about this? And so as we jump in, I want to wrestle with this, with what Paul's writing here. And I want you to not miss this as Paul's writing. He's writing about this reality as if it's in the past tense. Because he's writing the people that experienced something in Jesus that changed their story forever, meaning that they were experiencing the hope of something new, despite the reality of what was once true in their story. And so let's jump in and see what Paul has to say about this whole idea of why Jesus is really good news. And so he writes this in Ephesians 2. He says, hey, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Well, that's a downbeat. I don't know about you, but dead never seems like good news. Like, right, like, like okay, what, what's going on? What, Paul, what Paul's unpacking here is, hey, there's this reality in this world that, that when we don't pursue the things that God wants for us, when we do our own thing, when we walk away from God, we, we actually experience this death, this spiritual reality of being separated from God. That idea of sin, not a fancy word, not something we like to talk about, but, man, I'm guilty of it. It's whenever I, I fail to do the right thing or I choose to do the wrong thing. Is it just me? Yeah, three of us. All right, you're with me. <laughs> I mean, this is what God warned in the very beginning when he created our first parents and said, you're free to enjoy this world I gave you. There's one thing that's not for you. Like he never intended for us to know the, the darkness of evil. So he's like, avoid this one thing. And yet when our parents did the one thing God didn't want them to do, they walked from life into death. Because anytime we walk away from God, it's always towards death because God is the source of life. And it doesn't matter what direction I'm going, if it's away from God, it's always from life towards death. And this is what Paul's like, here's the reality of, of what we were all experiencing. And so he goes on and he says, 
you, this group of people, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He's the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. But it's not simply like our own struggle. There's an enemy at work in this world who's out to get us. Like he is so against us because God is for us and he's against God. And so he doesn't want us to experience the life that God has for us. And so he's at work to take us out of the game. It's why Jesus said about him that he's a liar and a murderer from the beginning. He's come to kill and steal and destroy. And Jesus says, but not me. I came to give life, life to its fullest. And yet we wrestle with this because I don't know about you, but there's those times in my life where there's this tension within me between the thing I know I should do, the right thing, the good thing. And yet I look at it and I'm like, but I'm going to do the other thing instead. You know what I'm talking about? And there's this spiritual war going on around us and within us, and it's got consequences. And so he says, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. And by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. I don't like those words. Like, I look at that and I'm like, ah, I'm wrestling with this. Like, Paul, what are you talking about? Like, like the idea of God being angry with me does not make me feel good. And I think one of the reasons we wrestle with this is that we, we hear words like that, and we put our dysfunctions onto God. And here's what I mean. I am not good with anger. How about you? And yet, have you ever noticed that sometimes anger is the right response to certain things? So like when we see injustice in this world, when we see racism in this world, when we see abuse, when we see people being wronged and hurt, the right response within me is to be angry about that. But I don't always know what to do with my anger because so often what I do with my anger is just perpetuate the problem. So like you hurt me and attack me and hit me. My response is to hurt you and attack you and hit you. And all I tend to do in my anger is perpetuate the problem. And yet here's Paul talking about God being angry about the sin and brokenness in this world. And, And here's the hope I have in that, that God doesn't have my dysfunctions. That God is actually good, which means he knows how to be angry in a good way about these things. But then here's the rub and here's the dilemma. That might mean I'm now beholden to this God to whom I have to give an account of my life. Like I'm going to be accountable to God for my life. That's a bit of a scary thought. I think this is why a lot of times we like to be spiritual around the concept of the universe, right? Because the universe is safe. Well, maybe not safe if we're going to die of a heat death someday. But I mean, like the, but the idea like the universe, like the universe doesn't really like demand anything from me. I can just kind of do whatever I want. It's the universe. But if, if there's a God who's going to make things right in this world, if there's a God who's going to restore brokenness and fix the broken things in this world, that makes me a little bit nervous because where do I stand with this God? And so that's the, that's the dilemma for us. Like if there is no God in the story, if there's no God in the equation, then there is no hope of justice and restoration in the universe. But if there is a God in the story, then we can hope that one day he will right the wrongs and fix the things that are broken in this world. And we need a God who will do that for us. Like when I experience hurt and pain in my story, I'm like, God, will you fix this? When I've been wronged, God, I need you to show up in this world because it's dark. But a God who's good enough to deal with the darkness and brokenness around me is a God who will also be good enough to deal with the darkness and brokenness that I bring into this world. And I think this is why we wrestle with the idea of God at times, because it's not a comfortable thought. And so here's Paul saying, here's the prognosis, but don't get offended. Don't pull away. 
because there's a God at work in the story who is actually for us, even though he's correct to be upset with the things that we do. And he continues to write, and he says these words. He says, but God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much. And I love this. That God's like, I got a big bankroll, people. Whatever your debt is, I can cover it. Like, I don't care what you've done. I don't care how bad it is. God's love and mercy is bigger and greater. And he offers us the hope of something new in him. He says that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. That when Jesus went to the cross, we talked about this last week, it wasn't an accident. It was a premeditated act of love. He shoved us out of the way so we would get hit by the car. He stepped onto that cross to face our death. And when Jesus died, he took upon himself all of our brokenness, all of our sin, all of our shame, all of our our bad choices in life. They died with him on that cross so that we don't have to face that death any longer. We can have the hope of something new. And then he didn't stay dead, which is why we're talking about Easter. He came back and defeated death so that in him we could have the hope of new life. And so Paul continues to say, For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Like when we take that step of of trusting Jesus, something changes. We go from death to life. He goes, so God can point to us in all future ages. I love this. God wants to brag about us for all of eternity. All ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us is shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. It's really good to be united with Jesus because he changes the story forever. And I look at this and I think so often the way that I then say, okay, this is good news and I want it. So what does it cost me? Like how what, what do I have to pay? How good do I have to be to get this? Because that's how the world works, doesn't it? You have to earn it. You have to prove yourself. And yet I think God looks at us and he goes, I recognize you can't. So this is my gift to you because I love you. And so Paul goes on and he says, see, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. Like, remember what he just said, God is so rich in love and mercy? Like, he he looks at us at our worst. He looks at us on our worst day, like when we're bankrupt beyond all hope of digging ourselves out of it. And he says, I have a life for you, and I've paid it in full. And Jesus comes into the story and says, I've got you. I'll cover it. Now walk with me into new life. And the way we step into that new life is by believing in him, putting our faith and trust in him. Saying, Jesus, if you'll take this life as it is, I'll follow you. If you'll take me as I am and do something new in my story, I want to walk with you into the hope of new life. And then Jesus begins to lead us into the hope of something better. Our darkness and brokenness no longer define us. We have the hope of something new in him. And God is now at work in our story, transforming us and making us new so we can step into this life and become the people we are created for. Because he says, for we are God's masterpiece. And he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. 
Like not only does Jesus rescue us from the brokenness of our story, he now gives us a new life and he begins to lead us into that life so we can begin to discover our meaning and purpose in this world. You exist for a reason. And it's to know God and be transformed by him through Jesus so you can live in this world to invite others into that same story. So you can change the world with God on behalf of the people in this world that need the hope. See why this is good news? Easter is about good news. It's about what God has come to do for us. And we celebrate this. That Easter is the celebration of Jesus' victory over sin and death. And his victory is now our victory. As we walk with him and trust him and live life holding on to what he's come to do for us. And see, what that means is Easter is not some religious celebration where we're trying to figure out how to make ourselves right with God. If only I could be good enough. Easter is about a new life celebration where we're trusting what God has done through Jesus to be enough for us. That I can say, okay, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to stumble after you the best I know how trusting that you're at work in my story and you've paid it in full and I have the hope of new life. Would you take me with you, Jesus? I want to walk with you and go where you would lead me. You see, that's the beautiful thing that we're celebrating in Easter. It's not just a once a year celebration. It's a year-round reality as we begin to experience the hope of what God is doing in our stories, that he's changing us forever and ever. Our lives can be forever changed. That's why Paul will write these words in another one of his letters when he's recognizing what God has done in his own story and recognizing what God is doing in every one of our stories as we trust him, as we walk with Jesus. He says this, he goes, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. I don't know, you got, have you, have you banked some mistakes in your story? Wouldn't it be great if you could just be like, can I just, can I just hit, like, I love playing video games because if you mess up, you just start over. <laughs> and yet what's so amazing about this is all the mistakes of my story. God looks at me and he says, dude, stop. <laughs> but I will love you regardless. Now walk with me. Let my son lead you into the hope of something new. See, there is a life he has for us. And I don't know where you're at in your journey or where your story is, but I want you to know there is a life that God has for you that he wants to invite you into because he loves you. And you don't have to be good enough for it. You trust Jesus to be good enough for you, to hold on to him and say, where you go, I'll go. I'll follow you. I want the life you have for me. And we put our faith in him. We trust in him, believing that what he's done is enough for us. And that changes everything for us. And that's what Easter is about. It's the celebration of this new life that God offers to every single one of us. So I don't know where you're coming from today. But I can tell you there's hope for where you could go today. That you could be transformed in a moment by simply saying, Jesus, I need you. I want you. Would you change this life and give me the hope of something new? And it's not just for people stepping in the first time because I pray that prayer all the time. Jesus, help me. And he's so good because he shows up every time and says, okay, let's keep walking forward. There's something really beautiful that we get to celebrate as we follow after Jesus. This beautiful thing that he invites us into to be a part of with him. It's called baptism. Baptism is kind of like the getting jumped in ceremony of a follower of Jesus. 
Like if we want to join his gang, that's how he jumps us in. And baptism is this beautiful picture of what we're experiencing as we put our faith in him, as we're trusting him. Jesus, I, I believe in you and I want to follow you the rest of my life. And it's something that he invites us to do, he calls us to do as we follow him, to take that step of saying, I, I identify myself as belonging to you. I want to give my life to you. Does it mean we have it all figured out? Of course not. Does it mean that we walk on water? Of course not. It means that we're just trusting in the one who does have it all figured out to continue to grow us and lead us. And something really beautiful happens when we take that step of baptism. It's this beautiful picture of what God is doing in our story. When we go under the water, it's the symbol of, of being buried with him and dying to our old life. And when we come up out of the water, it's this beautiful picture of stepping into the new life he has for us, rising up with him into that new life. And when we're ready to take that step of baptism, basically this is what we're saying. Wherever you're going, Jesus, take me with you because I want that new life. Today we're going to celebrate with friends who are taking that step of being baptized. And so I want to invite you to be a part of the celebration wherever you're at in your journey, your story. If you're just checking things out and you're like, what the heck is going on? I try to explain a little bit of what the heck is going on. <laughs> and if you have a desire for that in your own life, if you're like, if something's just saying like, I think I need this. I just want to encourage you today as we're hanging out. Don't be afraid to say, hey, Jesus, if you've got something for me, would you show up? Like prayer doesn't have to be fancy. You could literally be in the room right now and just say, Jesus, I need you. I don't know what that means, but would you show up? And just let him begin to show up in your story. But today we're going to celebrate with friends that are getting baptized. And here's what I love. You're going to see a generational spectrum today. Because Jesus doesn't discriminate based on your age. There's no one too young and no one too old for the new life he has for us. And so we're going to go into this moment. And so here's how you participate today. If you're being baptized, I'm going to invite you to come on up right now as I'm talking and, and queue up over here with Christy and the things. And if you're friends that are going to be a part of it with them, head on up over there as well. And for the rest of us who are taking this in and watching, we're going to go into a time of celebrating with them. And so here's what's going to be happening as they're getting baptized. They're going to step into the waters and their friends and family will be around them. And there's going to be someone just asking them a very simple question. Do you trust Jesus with your life, and do you want to follow him? Basically, what we're looking for is something like this. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then we're going to baptize them like Jesus told us to do. We're going to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Because when that happens, we are now jumped into God's gang. <laughs> we're part, like we're taking his name as our name now, this new life that he has for us. And so as they're doing that, your job is to celebrate and cheer, and clap, and shout like it's Super Bowl, and your team just won. And while we're doing that, we're going to be worshiping and singing songs. And if you're like, okay, I, I, what do these songs look like? What are these songs about? It's our chance to worship God. Let these songs shape a prayer in your heart. And if you're like, I don't know what all the words mean. That's okay. Invite him to be a part of it with you. Jesus, I want, I want this life you have. And let him meet you in this place. And so does that sound like something we can do? Yeah. yeah. So let's get started. Let's jump in and celebrate together. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.